This is another episode of Live Set Apart, a podcast inspiring you to embrace your unique gifts, be who God created you to be, and change the world in your unique way. I'm the host, Valerie Cote-Talia. Thank you so much for tuning in. I promise that this episode will change your life in a meaningful way. Let's connect beyond the audio. Follow me on Instagram at I Live Set Apart and Facebook and TikTok at Live Set Apart. And if you want to see these interviews unfold, subscribe to the Live Set Apart YouTube channel for uncut episodes and inspirational shorts. Let's live set apart and be who God created us to be. You are listening to episode 29 of Live Set Apart. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. You probably wonder where I've been. It has been a while since I released my last podcast episode. And if you missed the announcement for that, it was because I was away on my first trip to the Holy Land. I took a trip to Israel in early September and I had the time of my life. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you my top top 10 takeaways or top 10 moments from my trip. I'm taking you on a journey through Israel, through my eyes and sharing with you my favorite moments. Now you're listening to this wherever you get your podcasts, but you can also watch this episode uncut on YouTube at Live Set Apart. And that way you'll be able to see the video and images that I share to support what I'm sharing on this podcast. However you choose to enjoy this episode, go for it. And I hope you're inspired to take a trip to Israel real I do have a disclaimer I was inundated with information and there are some things that I share in this episode I have confused the names for example I call date trees palm trees and there's probably so many other things that I mixed up and I'm not an expert so do extend grace I have been waiting a long time to take this trip this trip was planned in 2019 scheduled for 2020 but then we were in a global pandemic so it was pushed back to 2022 and let me just tell you it was right on time. I truly enjoy myself and I hope that you enjoy this episode. So like I mentioned before, I'm still processing my trip. I am definitely a Bible enthusiast. I have always been that way since I was young, just reading the Bible. And as a visual learner and a, a visual person, I always visualize, you know, what I'm reading in a Bible. And it's typically based on, you know, movies that have been released about Bible times and things of that nature. But to actually be there to actually be in the land was definitely an experience. And I must say, I had to remind myself that it is 2022 because for whatever reason in my head, when I went to Jerusalem, I wanted it to look just like it did over 2000 years ago. I had to mentally change my mindset while I was there to really get into the experience, if that makes sense, because it's 2022. The area is commercialized. The air, First of all, the area is modernized and then it's commercialized because a lot of people travel to the Holy Land. There are vendors everywhere, stores everywhere. And so I had to kind of change my mindset around that to really get into the experience. So that was on day one. <laughs> I had to do that on day one. And so I was able to do that and just be in the moment and enjoy the fact that we were walking in some of the places where Jesus himself walked, where Paul walked, 
where the disciples, the other disciples walked and just where a lot of different Bible stories took place. And it was just so fascinating to me and so amazing. And so as you can imagine, that's why I'm still processing everything that I did on this trip. Now I am in my fifth year of reading through the Bible from beginning to end. And so I've been doing it in chronological order for the most part, but this year I switched it up a little bit. So I'm getting some of Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs all thrown in there. But I will say that since this trip, I read the Bible completely differently. It's like I'm reading it through new eyes because it's like I've been there. I've been to these places. And I know one scripture that really stood out to me a lot while I was there in the Holy Land was a scripture in Isaiah that says that the Lord, where the Lord says that he will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And that verse just kept speaking to me, which I needed because I'm definitely in a in a different season in life. I don't have time to get into that, not in this episode, but I really needed that at the time. And it really stood out to me because we were in the doggone desert. I'm telling you the real dusty, hot sun beaming down desert. And I saw oases. I saw an actual, well, I saw several actual oasis. I have to look up the plural for that. Y'all don't laugh at me. But I saw an oasis and I don't know if you remember when you were young or seeing cartoons where, you know, typically it was Bugs Bunny or maybe even Wally Coyote out in the desert and just famished in the heat. And then they would see this imaginary oasis. Well, I saw real ones where water had come up in a desert and there were palm trees and, you know, tropical fruit growing. I mean, they were growing pomegranates, bananas, a lot of tropical fruit, mangoes out there in the middle of the desert. And of course, there are ways that they're able to do that through irrigation. I can't get into that. This is not a science show. But I'm saying all this just to say that it really just brought those things that we read about in the Bible to life. So the places that we went were places where there were there was physical geographic evidence that this is where such and such took place based on what was in the Bible. And It was just eye-opening and I could go on and on about that, but I don't have time. But before I get into my top 10 takeaways, I just want to say that I traveled with a group and I was so blessed that my bishop traveled with us because he was able to speak messages at specific places about the things that took place in those locations. So we went to several, several different locations. We heard a message on the Mount of Olives, the Mount of the Beatitudes, Mount Carmel, the Mount of Precipice. And this is where Jesus's enemies wanted to throw him off the cliff. We went to, of course, we were on the Sea of Galilee. We heard a message as we sailed down the Sea of Galilee. And we even learned about, you know, how storms, how and why storms form so quickly over the sea. And, you know, just thinking about that story where the disciples crossed the sea and in a storm, Jesus was asleep on a boat and they were in the middle of the storm. He's told the storm, you know, peace be still. And just being able to visualize when the disciples got in a boat, there's a story we know when Peter was going to walk across that water, disciples got in a boat to go to the other side and just picturing them sailing across that sea and then Jesus walking up on the water. <laughs> to them in the middle of the sea. I mean, it was just so, so much to take in. And just if you love reading the word, if you love history, then you would definitely love to take a trip to Israel. If it has never been on your list of places to go, please put it on your list. It will totally change your life. 
So if you can't tell or if you couldn't tell, Takeaway 10 was the fact that the Bible was brought to life for me. Taking this trip brought the Bible to life even more than it was already alive. And so that is reason enough to take this trip out to the Holy Land to just to actually be in the land where these stories that we've read about since we were young actually took place. Takeaway number nine was our trip to the National Holocaust Museum. For me, and I pray this doesn't offend anybody, I've always been fascinated about the story of the Holocaust because I just cannot believe that not so long ago, a regular human being conspired to wipe out an entire race of people and actually had people to go along with them to do it. And these are people who look just like him. I just have not not been able to, I just cannot even fathom how that even happened. So I've always been fascinated with the story of the Holocaust. And, you know, we learned what we did in school in our history classes. But, you know, I've watched, I've seen movies. And of course, I've read the books that we've read in school. But that has just always fascinated me. So it was beneficial to me to go to this museum on this trip because, for one, my tour guide, the amazing Amit Greenfield, was super just knowledgeable and he is a Jewish man who lives in Jerusalem so he was just steep in the history and because it's his history his people's history and he was just so passionate when he was telling us about why this trip to this museum was so significant and so they gave us three hours to walk through this museum I took all of the time I was actually one of the last people out of the museum but I really had And I hate to say it because it was really sad, but I had a great time in the museum and I learned a lot. And it even sparked a desire in me to even do more research on my own. But one thing that the Holocaust, the experience and learn about it does for me is it it gives me a a look. It gives me insight on what the children, some of the things that the children of Israel actually had to endure when they were in captivity. And so that's another reason why this period is just so, it's so sad and just unfathomable that 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 happened thousands of years ago could happen in the 19th, in the 20th century. And I don't want to get into it. I'm a crybaby. So of course I was crying through the museum, but I really enjoyed that trip. We were able to visit the Garden of Gethsemane and we all know what happened in that garden. That is where Jesus prayed right before the centurions came to to take him away to be crucified. And we know he prayed there all night, prayed so much that his disciples fell asleep on him, prayed with drops of blood as they describe it. Just prayed and prayed for the cup to pass, but also prayed that if it was God's will to let it be done. This garden was so beautiful and it was my takeaway number eight. So the garden is beautiful and it's is gated off, thankfully, because there's no way that it would have been preserved for all these years if people were actually able to roam through that garden, even though I would have loved to have been able to roam through that garden. But I get it. Um, But I was able to see it from afar and take pictures and some video. And I really enjoyed that experience. Takeaway number seven for me was when we got to go as a group and sit for a message on the temple steps. Now, these are the steps of the temple where Jesus would have been going, going to, you know, every day to the temple. And so we sat on those steps. Those were original steps that we sat on as a group. And just to know that 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 was where Jesus, you know, he was there. 
<laughs> and that was the actual temple remnants of the stairs that led to the temple. I really enjoyed that time that we had out there. We had a um, a Bible lesson out there on the temple steps and we took a beautiful group picture on the temple steps and had a really good time that day. It was just a beautiful beautiful day. But the message that we were taught on that day really painted a picture of the new Jerusalem. So we were in old Jerusalem in that beautiful limestone city and where all of the buildings look very similar. The ones that were remaining look similar to how things look. The buildings that were being preserved look similar to the way they did thousands of years ago. But the instructor painted a picture for us about the new Jerusalem and he gave the measurements and it just really helped me to picture You know, when Jesus returns and that new Jerusalem replaces the old one, I mean, I was just speechless. It was it was truly a hallelujah moment for me. And I wonder if if you've gone, if you if you experienced that. Takeaway six for me was our trip down the Sea of Galilee. And I don't know if you know this, but we were served lunch off of the sea and it was tilapia. And they told us that tilapia is actually the fish that the Peter and the fishermen would catch right off the sea. And I had no idea because I'm not even I'm not a fish eater, first of all. But I thought tilapia was fake because I feel like I didn't start even hearing about it until I was much older. And it's like, well, where did this fish come from if it was already always in existence? And so anyway, they served us a whole tilapia on our plate, which is typically how fish is served in other countries. I was just in another country earlier this year and our students were served fish whole on a plate. And so those who had never eaten that before were taken aback. But my dad is Ghanaian and he would eat a whole fish. So I wasn't surprised, but um, I still didn't eat fish. I had lamb, but they served us tilapia. And then we sailed down the Sea of Galilee and our bishop preached a message and we learned about how tumultuous that sea can get because of the low altitude. Don't get me making up stuff because I'm not a science person. But from memory, I think she said it was the low altitude and the heat. And I don't know, it collides and uh, it could cause a storm suddenly. And so she even shared how she was given a tour before on a boat that was going down a sea and a storm started like that. But it really helped me to understand why the disciples were so shocked and how that storm, how they, you know, they got in a boat. And they couldn't tell that a storm was coming because of the the scientific stuff <laughs> that happens in the clouds and the wind <laughs> that causes a storm to happen suddenly like that. But that's where I had the moment where I pictured the disciples going out, crossing to the other side um, per Jesus's instructions. And then him meeting them on the, on the other side, meeting them on the sea. And it was just a great visual experience. And it was very peaceful out floating on the Sea of Galilee. Takeaway number five was our visit to the pools of Bethesda. And so I remember the story about the man who had been by the pool for years and years and he wanted to be healed. But every time the water moved, he was paralyzed. So he couldn't get to it. He couldn't be healed. And I've I've had a mental picture in my head about what it looked like at those pools. But on this trip, I was actually able to see it. And it was so expansive. Like, I didn't think that it would be as expansive as it was. And I could just picture how beautiful it was. And I could just picture it being full of hundreds of people crowded around that water to get in it when it moved. And I could just just imagine that man, that paralyzed man who had been there for years who couldn't move. And just imagine how many people were there in his way. And I could just 
just imagine him being in despair. Yes, this is a lot of imagination, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. I'm, I think I'm getting a little carried away. But I really enjoy being able to be at that pool. I have so many pictures and videos so I can revisit whenever I want to. But I can just picture Jesus walking through there and asking that man, do you want to be healed? And that man getting up, getting his mat healed. It was just... It was wonderful. I I don't know how else to describe it. I don't even have the words. Okay, y'all. My takeaway experience number four. Y'all, I was baptized in the Jordan River. Now, I've been baptized before. I think I was 12 when I was baptized the first time. But when I knew I was going to have an experience, I was going to be able to do it in the Jordan River. I was like, I'm I'm game. Baptize me in that same river where Jesus was baptized, where John baptized all those people. Baptize, take me to the water. And let me just tell you, leading up to this trip, there were so many things that went wrong, so many delays. I ended up in D.C., from Atlanta to D.C. with a six-hour layover. Who does that? Just to go to Frankfurt. And so it was It was just a lot going on. A lot of things happened that could have really robbed me of my experience. And so there's one thing, this is not the platform to talk about it, but I almost didn't get baptized in the river. But I said, you know what, Lord? I need you to get me through this so I can be baptized. And I was. And it was a cool experience. Like the, it had been so hot during the day in the water. Like literally the water was cool. So (laughs) it was a cool experience. It's definitely something that people typically do when they're in Israel. So if you do get to go and you get an opportunity, don't sleep on the opportunity to be baptized in the Jordan River. Takeaway number three for me was just the Jewish lifestyle. I mean, it just seems like they have it all together. And these are even Messianic Jews who believe like we do that Christ is king and that he is returning for his church. And just the way that they eat, the clean eating, the the peace that's in that city, y'all. I did not know before I went, but Jerusalem, Jerusalem is a holy city for three major religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And they all live together in that city peaceably. They're all together in that city. I mean, pe- so peaceful that Arabs send their children to Christian schools because they just know the Christian schools are better. And so you know why those children are in those Christian schools. If it's real, if it's run by real Christians, they are praying over those children and those children just might meet Jesus in school. (laughs) But it's just so wonderful to see that those three major religions, they all revere the area is holy and they're all living there peaceful. We were out at night School kids were out still in their uniforms out at night, just walking the streets, having a good time, just so not not afraid. They were so safe. It was just so beautiful to see. It just it seems like life is just so simple in Jerusalem, almost to like maybe I should live there. <laughs> and I've seen memes before where people say every time they go to a different country, they always wonder, hmm, should I live there? And I've never really felt that way, except for when I moved to Italy. I mean, when I took a trip to Italy, I was like, I need to move to Italy. But um, it was just so great. I, I felt safe. It was great to see so many different people getting along. It was just wonderful. Like their lifestyle. I mean, they got it together. You think about y'all people who do y'all Daniel fast and 
And I mean, well, they do eat meat. I remember one night I was trying to find pizza. I wanted a slice of pepperoni pizza. And I went into the pizza shop and I was like, can I have a slice pepperoni? And they were like, we're kosher. And I'm thinking to myself, duh, how can I forget? They are the OGs of the kosher diet. Of course, they don't have pork. But they look so healthy and the food was so fresh and good. And so I was able to, just because we were there so long, you know, get menu ideas for me to even cook for myself once I got home. And I just really appreciated being immersed in their lifestyle, being able to explore the city on our own and just have a good time. Takeaway number two for me was visiting the Garden Tomb. So if it's number two, you know, it was super impactful and I can't even explain in words just how much that moment meant to me. It's, it's kind of hard to express in words, but to actually be in the area where Jesus rose, got up and just finished it all for us. It completed it. It was just, I mean, I'm getting chills even now. Going to the garden tomb was it was a pretty surreal experience. And I still struggle with the fact that the area is commercialized. You know, it's a it's a tourist attraction. Um, So I had to struggle with that. But to actually step into the tomb in the way that Mary would have gone to the tomb to see that it was empty, it was just. I can't even describe in words what that experience was so. The tomb is preserved in this garden that um, this organization keeps up. It's a beautiful, beautiful garden. And the people who work there, who 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 tell who teaches us about the location, they are just so passionate about the story. And these are Jewish people, y'all. Messianic Jews, which I didn't even understand before this trip, that there that there are Jewish people who believe that Christ, Jesus Christ, is the Messiah and he is returning someday. So I just won't even I won't talk about that yet how much that just blew my mind. But let me focus on the garden tomb because I actually walked inside of the tomb, the borrowed tomb where Jesus's body was laid, where Jesus eventually rose. He he rose in that space that I was able to go into and even take pictures of. And I don't am I trying to get choked up right now? I don't know. But I really enjoyed the visit to the garden tomb. And then also just a few yards away from the tomb was the the place of the skull Golgotha where Jesus was actually crucified and the instructors at the garden showed us how the place of the skull was given that name because it actually looks like a skull and we were able to see it with our own eyes the indention in the mountain in the rock in the stone that looked like the skull and it was just to actually be in that space was just a wonderful experience and so Hopefully, when you go to the Holy Land, you get to experience that too. My top takeaway from my trip to Israel was my experience at the Western Wall. Now, I didn't even know what the Western Wall was. A friend of mine said, when you get to Jerusalem, send up a prayer for me at the Wailing Wall. And I was like, okay. And then I looked through my itinerary and I was like, okay, well, on this day, we'll be at the Wailing Wall. And so... 
of course, my awesome tour guide, he explained to us exactly what it was and what it is, is the it's a remnant of the temple wall that is still standing. And for years and years, people have gone to that wall to pray. People pray at that wall. They have chairs set up. First of all, it's separate. The women enter one way and the men enter another way. And our tour guide repeatedly said it's because men can only focus on one thing at a time, which is true. So the men can go over there and pray and actually be praying and not checking out women. But anyway, so the men enter one way, the women enter another way, and it's this open space just at a wall. And I just was not expecting to experience what I experienced at that wall to the point where even now I'm getting emotional. I'm getting chuck choked up. I'm a crybaby. But I went to the wall and there were women looked like from all over praying at the wall. And we had to wait to get space to actually touch the wall and at first I was like well I don't need to touch the wall I'm standing here I can pray but I was like no let me get this whole experience and I'm gonna touch this wall so I stood back waiting for my opportunity to get close enough to the wall to touch it and I was just praying you know interceding because people were literally wailing at this wall and I just waited patiently for my opportunity and when I tell you the moment I touched that wall there was just so much power. Can you just imagine this one area just being saturated, saturated by prayer for years, hundreds and hundreds of years, just saturated in prayer. I felt that power and I just prayed. I couldn't even remember everything that I prayed for, but I, I definitely, I called out my friends and family's names. I lifted them up in prayer. And then I just thank God. I just thank God for everything. I was it was almost at a point where I didn't even I didn't even have the words. So I was praying in the spirit. And then I I then I was finally able to express myself in prayer. And I just lifted up my prayer and when I tell y'all, I left it all at the wall. So oh lord, I'm sorry y'all. I left it all at the wall. So everything that I had been worried about you know, concerned about, sad about, depressed about, anxious about. I left it all at the wall and I literally, literally felt a weight lifted in that moment. And so that was like on the fourth day of our trip, I think. But that was my top one experience. My number one moment, number one takeaway from my trip was my experience at the Wailing Wall. And so I just pray that if you get an opportunity to go to Israel, that you take that opportunity, that you tour the area, that you see all that you can see. Make sure you research, you know, the areas that you want to visit and definitely make sure you make it to that Western Wall so you can get your prayer through and just experience the power. And if anything, it just brings, it just makes the power of prayer more real because we know that prayer is powerful. So to just actually feel that power and even more beautiful was just to see so many different people, people from all over the world coming together to pray at that wall. And it just reminds you of the scripture where the Lord says that his house shall be a house of prayer. And we were definitely embodying that at the Western Wall. So that was my number one moment, my number one takeaway from my trip. Overall, I had a fantastic, fantastic time. And like I said before, if Israel has never been on your list, 
put it on your list. Make sure you get an opportunity to go. And I just saw on Facebook that one of the ladies who was on our tour, she wasn't in my group, but she was 91 years old. She was in a different group. She passed away a few days after her return home from her trip to Israel and Egypt. I didn't say before, but there were a group of people who the majority of the group went on from Israel to Egypt, but I was not a part of that group. I came home after Israel. So that means I have to go back out to Israel at some point and I will. But a 91 year old, she made it all the way through her trip through the Holy Land into Egypt and she passed away um, a few days after returning home. And it was just so beautiful that she was able to make it to the Holy Land before she passed. She was able to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Now, I know what she's seeing now is a thousand times more magnificent, but it was still awesome to know that she was able to take that trip. So you make sure that you take that trip. And if you have any questions or any comments or anything that you'd like for me to address, just drop it in the comments below. I hope you enjoyed my summary of my trip to the Holy Land. I hope it inspired you to take a trip to the Holy Land. Thank you for checking out episode 29 of Live Set Apart. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss any other episodes. If you've enjoyed this episode of Live Set Apart, help us spread the word by rating and reviewing the podcast. That way we can keep making great episodes for you to listen to. And it helps other people find us too. If you've got a question for me or my guests or a topic you'd like to hear covered, email me at Valerie at Live sets apart.com and follow on Instagram at I live set apart for regular inspiration. Thank you for tuning in until next time live set apart. Be who God created you to be.